You're listening to Lost and Sound, the podcast exploring music, identity, and the future. My name's Paul Hanford. I've always believed that one of the best ways we come together is through music. And through this series, I'm looking at how music can and is bringing us together now and in the future. From my base in Berlin, we'll be meeting artists from a range of disciplines from all across the world who are drawing on music right now, some already exploring new ways of doing this. Today, I had a chat with Robot Koch. Hey, how are you doing? I hope you're good. I'm along the canal in Kreuzberg, tiny bit further on from where I usually do this little memo to you um, by a bridge. Um, and it's kind of like, it's kind of one of those days that's kind of cold, but super bright as well. And there's quite a few people just kind of like basking in getting a little bit of brightness going on. There's a, I don't know if you can hear in the background, but there's a guy playing a bit of like sort of jazz guitar kind of sounds like La Bamba on a jazz loop um, it's quite nice creates quite a nice ambience for the day I am feeling a bit zonked out today actually I'm, I'm you know you get those times and um, there was a full moon yesterday I think and sometimes I don't know whether you believe in this stuff or not I have like a kind of a, a kind of a gentle interest in it always makes me feel a little bit kind of funny around that time i kind of hope i'm a werewolf actually i'd rather be a vampire i think vampires are far cooler werewolves are a bit sort of smelly and and dog-like aren't they but i digress but i've been feeling a bit zonked out today in the last couple of days because of that and um the guest you're about to hear in a minute um robot koch um real name Robert Koch um, was exactly the right person to speak to today I was a little bit like oh god can I really do a podcast today and I've got to edit it all as well and I set myself this challenge at the beginning of the year to like do all of the podcast in the shortest amount of time possible usually mostly on Mondays and I was a bit like oh my god you know I can't can I pull a sickie can I can I take a can I can I will myself accept a sick note off myself and not really and I was a bit like oh, I've got to speak got to do an interview um but he was exactly the right person to speak to today as you'll find out in a minute Robot Cox's music is like that of a cyborg part electronic part full of strings and things thematically also he seems drawn to a dialogue between science and nature Robot, or Roberts, has a Berlin electronic background. He mixes this with full orchestration, like on his most recent album, The Next Billion Years. We spoke about this and his immersive project sphere, 
a collaboration with the visual artist Mikhail Lagoff, which toured planetariums across the world. He also scores for film and TV. Just out in Germany, as we spoke, he's worked on an update of Christina F. called Verkinder von Bahnhof Zoo. He's been living in LA for some time, although due to the pandemic, he's currently grounded in Germany. And this is our chat on March the 1st, 2021. I'm recording right now. Yeah, amazing. So you're missing LA because I was going to ask because you're from Berlin originally, aren't you? But you moved to LA um, a bunch of years ago. Um, <laughs> what, what are you missing about LA right now? Well, it's it's difficult because LA has changed a lot in the last year, I heard, you know, due to COVID. Um, so me and my friend who I was just on the phone with, we were talking about how the LA we like and the one we miss doesn't actually exist anymore mm. <laughs> in a way because a lot of the the cafes and restaurants we used to go to, they're, they're not there anymore. They had to close down, you know, because yeah. rent is so expensive in Los Angeles and they have to close shop for two months or three months. They're just out of business right away, you know, and there's no help like there is in, in Germany where you get like state money, you know, you, you get like $600 <laughs> one wow. time. That's, you know, that's like a fraction of someone's rent yeah. for one month. And, and then it just doesn't work, you know. So long story short, we miss we miss just the LA life we used to have like a couple of years ago, you know, because I moved there in 2013. And um, it's just like obviously the nice weather, but also it's inspiring people. There's a like good creative community that I miss, you know, that are also suffering right now from all the obvious reasons. That, that yeah no because it it makes me feel grateful that in in Berlin and Germany there has been some some kind of levels of help um, and um, yeah so what what kind of actually was the appeal for you to moving to LA? Um, I was really over Berlin for certain reasons. Um, I wasn't inspired anymore. I, I moved to Berlin in twenty no actually in ninety nine. Mm. 1999. So I've spent like a good 14 years there because I moved in 2014, almost 15 years in Berlin. And um, Berlin was amazing, like the first five, six, seven years. And then it started just feeling a little less exciting to me. And, you know, of, of course, the influx of tourists and all that. Um, I don't know. It just didn't inspire me anymore. This isn't even a rant against Berlin per se. It's mm. just my personal subjective experience, you know, because sometimes people take it the wrong way when I say like, oh, I was so over Berlin. They're like, oh, what's wrong with Berlin? It's like nothing. Like me and Berlin weren't on the same page anymore. <laughs> and creatively, there was no stimulus for me anymore to be found. And um, thanks to touring, I got to experience other places and I just realized Oh, there's other places to check out, you know. And then in 2013, I had a breakup with my girlfriend at the time. And um, I was in a music project that went sour. And a bunch of stuff happened where I was like, you know, nothing really ties me down anymore. And I was sort of tired of Berlin already. So I'm just going to make a gut feeling move. And I'm going to move to a city where I don't know anyone. And uh, where the weather's good because it was so over the Berlin winter at the time. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm just going to move to LA and see what that's like. Um, and that could have totally gone wrong, you know, because maybe two months later I would have come back and be like, that didn't work out. But it did, you know, I tapped into a great um, musical and artistic community there, like made new friends. And yeah, things just sort of evolved from there naturally. 
Did you have a bit of a hunch about LA beforehand? Because I don't know about you, but I kind of grew up like watching a lot of American movies and, yeah. and like always having this kind of sort of idea, whether it's about the film industry or whether it's about just films filmed in LA of just like, sort totally. of whether, whether it's like Beverly Hills Cop or Mulholland Drive, you know, was that part of the appeal for you? No, not at all. Because all these images that I also had in my head, just like you, when I went to LA the first time just to play a show there, I ticked all these boxes to just like see, yeah, that's what it actually looks like. Here's the Hollywood sign. Here's the Beverly Hills sign. You know, all these things we've seen in movies. But that didn't really have an appeal to me. It was like this world that looked like I've seen it on TV. But then I played Law and Theory, you know, the the, the party um where, you know, Flying Lotus and Erica Badu and uh, I was legendary. Yeah, you know, the, the, the beat beatmaker scene from LA kind of at the time existed. And, and that was an amazing experience to me. And that's where I met a lot of people too, where I was like, well, that's this side of LA too, like the East LA vibe that has nothing to do with all these things that we've been fed through movies over the decades, really. And that did have an appeal to me, you know, musically, creatively. And um, I wanted to come back to that and explore that more. So maybe that was the draw where I was like, I don't really know anyone, but... I'd like to dive into that a little more, you know, like the whole East LA, um, Echo Park, Silver Lake was just beautiful. Like just mm. walking around there, I was like, my God, this looks nothing like uh, Venice or, um, you know, all these places that, that are so cliche about LA. Mm. Um, and I liked that. So, yeah, that was intriguing to me. And I think as as a um, electronic producer, at least semi-electronic producer yourself, it must be so interesting as well going from, uh, to to not go, like being in a scene, but kind of going from places where there were two very almost like distinct sounds, you know, uh, like the Berlin mm-hmm. kind of sound, particularly at the time of, um, yeah. I think at the time it would have been very minimal, wouldn't it? Um, or an yes, yes. And then going to this kind of more kind of like sort of broken hip hop mm-hmm. kind of jazz influenced. Where exactly. the hell is the sound coming from, Finn? That must have been quite an interesting right. thing to explore. That was exactly it, you know. Because um, when I say I was bored with Berlin creatively, it was just like the overly dominant vibe of techno mm. and minimal. And, and, you know, my music taste has always been more eclectic than that, you know. I, I do like to tinker with, like, elements of that, of, like, like techno or, like, minimal music. Not minimal in a Steve Reich sense, but, like, mm. minimal techno. Um, but... Um, yeah, I was just like way more open to more than that. And I felt LA was more of a melting pot of different styles where things fused a little more. It wasn't as much about fashion either. You know how there was the Berghain look and all these things. That, everything felt so, com, 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 uh, what's the word? Com, help me out here. Com, kind of compartmentalized. Thank you. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, you know. Mm. Um to me anyways, and I, I didn't feel I could grow as much because also the, the people you hang out with inspire you and give you ideas of what you can do with your career, right? So at the time, a lot of my friends were DJs and it was all about like playing clubs all the time, you know, and nothing wrong with that. But in LA, I've met people who also made um, a living in like film or trailer. And I was like, there's all these things that I didn't know existed when I lived in Berlin that are also really creative and uh, eclectic in a way because they don't focus on just one genre. 
and that intrigued me, you know. And uh, my music has always been a little cinematic and moody and stuff. So I was like, oh, this this might be an interesting outlet for it. Just like whereas in Berlin, it just seemed like, yeah, I just need to produce more club friendly music to be able to like play out more, you know, which in itself was something that I was so over with because it's just not sustainable as you grow older also to immerse yourself just in club and DJ lifestyle all the time. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I feel like I actually I've, I've been kind of going to Berlin for a, almost a decade, but I moved here three years ago and I kind of feel like mm -hmm. I moved here too old to do that, really. Like I, my best club memories of way before I moved here, you know, in Berlin, you know, and by the time I actually got here, I was like, Oh, the best DJ is on at five in the morning. No way. I want to right. be at least kind of getting towards the end of my sleep at five in the morning. I don't know how people do that. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's interesting what you're saying that. And you've, you've actually been, so you're back in Germany. Did you come back at the beginning of the pandemic? No, I just came back in October, actually. Oh, last right. Year. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I'm kind of stuck here because the travel ban still exists. I just yeah. came back to renew my visa. I have like this three-year artist visa that I need to renew every um, three years. So now my visa has been approved, but I can't get an appointment at the embassy because it's closed. And uh, my immigration lawyer looked into it for me, and she told me the other day that the first appointment available is August 20th. No. No yeah, way. so I'm stuck. I can't go back. Right. This is really... yeah. so. Hence the hence how it began with you saying how you're speaking with a friend missing LA right now. Exactly. Yeah, because I just broke the news to her that I'll mm. I'll be here longer than I expected, and I don't hate it here, but I just thought I come here for like a couple of months, you know, mm. spend Christmas here, visit friends and family, and then by January, February, I'm. Uh, you know, heading back over, but that's not happening. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 So it, it's time to get used to Edeka for, a, you know, like a good longer period of time. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I just try to look at the bright side of it. You know, I get to spend more time with my family who has, haven't seen in, uh, um, in years that much. And also mm. like older friends that I haven't been able to spend time with because usually I would just come, to Europe for maybe a couple of weeks and then yeah. I just like try to scramble and see everyone like briefly for a coffee and then now it's like nice I go on hikes with like an old friend of mine you know and he's like he texted me the other day he was like it's so nice that you're around we get to spend more quality time after all these years again and I'm like yeah that's true it's like that's mm. that's how I want to see it now that's how I want to frame it for myself and you know what the the friend I was on the phone with she also mentioned that you know, LA is, well, she said it's a bit of a shit show now mm. in terms of um, all the restaurants being closed. Um, they're slowly opening up again in the light of the vaccine, mm. etc. But also there's like a crazy homeless explosion, you know, like, like there's all these encampments everywhere, yeah. which is really sad. And um, I think the whole social divide that America has per se has also caught up with California because California was always like, there's America and then there's California. Yeah. You know? mm. It was always more progressive and stuff. And it still is in many ways, I'm sure. But, you know, the whole social divides story that really caught up with LA due to COVID now. Yeah. Or California yeah. in general. Yeah. I, I imagine after four years of Trump, it's just like, it feels to me like just like the climax of, of kind of like a kind of a capitalist 
kind of globalization kind of campaign that's been going on since Reagan really is is kind of yeah yeah it, it feels like it's, it's finally reached the west west coast oh. it's sad it's really yeah. sad you know and um yeah just wonder when i go back in hopefully september this year what kind of uh, different city i'll i'll find you know different from the one that i left behind when i when i left yeah well well fingers crossed to that you yeah know, for, sure, I, I, for sure i think you know like i'm i'm kind of quite curious about what berlin's going to be i'm in berlin but i'm also kind of thinking like without you know it'll be like a year and a half of clubs really will that just on sure. a music level will that change the music culture here you know will that's such um, an interesting question what's what's your take on that like being uh, being in Berlin and being more yeah. in touch with Berlin than, than I am. Well, the weird thing is, it's like, I feel quite out of touch in a way. Like, I mean, I, I live and breathe in Berlin and, you know, I, I pop out for a coffee every day. I go for a couple of socially distanced walks with, with friends a couple of times a week. And I see yeah. my favorite architecture, which I still love, but there's no real grasp of like how people are dancing. Like I didn't go to any of those uh, either legal or illegal raves in the summer. I just didn't feel that it was something that I wanted to partake in. Although yeah. I'm, I'm not making a judgment over anyone that did. Um, so I have no real basis of understanding if, if like, because it feels to me like so much of like club-based music is kind of functional in a way. Like it works mm -hmm. for the space and the sound system and and the people that want to be there. So without that, like it would be really amazing to think if without that, like the club sounds just grow like wild plants and they just, mm -hmm. you know, unusual breaks and weird time changes could happen because there's nothing to kind of keep them in time. That would be, uh -huh. you know, things like that and new textures and, and maybe a bit more of like a kind of a multicultural kind of element mm -hmm. kind of comes in because of what's things that have maybe happened in the last couple of years and, uh, and stuff. But who knows? It's right. my idealistic thinking on that, really. <laughs> but that's good. You know, I think we should look at the bright side and uh, it yeah. has brought up many, you know, creative opportunities, I think, mm -hmm. apart from all the, you know, concerts and, and clubs that are cancelled and shut down. There's a lot of time that artists can spend, you know, on, on, on creating new things right now, you know, and mm -hmm. I just hope that there's going to be a lot of interesting music, like you say, um, there's time for experimentation right now and like for rethinking things like even socially and um, um, in terms of society. Yeah. You know, we, we do have the time now to, to reevaluate what works, what doesn't work and how to maybe do things differently in a way. So that can also affect music or art in general. I think it's really exciting. And, and just another thing I thought of with the music thing and like the kind of minimal thing is like, I know a lot of like producers might be kind of inspired by the fact that they might be going clubbing a lot. And, you know, we're sort of recapturing that vibe you know, when they go mm -hmm. back in the, in the week when they put beats together. But without having that experience for a year and a half, maybe they're starting to forget how to recreate that vibe, which could be really exciting as well, because, yeah. you know, ideas just, are just going to come anyway. It's just with a release of that constant vibe, you know, it might be. I keep yeah, saying yeah. the word vibe. I don't like saying the word vibe. It feels like a silly word for me. It's like say. L.A. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Is that a popular word in L.A.? Vibe? Well, I guess, you know, um, it's, it's, it's a conversation you can have. You can have, you can talk about energy and stuff, you know, yeah. <laughs> where people would probably roll their eyes. Um, it's, it's almost a cliche. That's what I thought was sort of endearing when I first moved to LA, that mm. people just everywhere, even at the 
cashier in a, in, a, in a supermarket would just be like, oh, yeah, it's Mercury retrograde. So, of course, your credit card isn't working right now, you know, all like tongue in cheek. But still, you know, mm. like uh, try that at Edeka, you know, like Mercury, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, definitely. You just get stared at, wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. And that must have been really nice as well, kind of being because I kind of take it from from your music and, and your output as well is like, um, you know, what I'm going to be getting into in a minute as well is like you, you have this kind of real mixture of the kind of uh, the kind of like nature and natural sounds and things like strings and stuff like that mm -hmm. and imagery that is very natural and very cosmic as well and sort yeah. of like really futuristic science and technology coming in there. So I, I take it that you're probably someone that might not be so adverse to a few. To no, like, no, no. I'm, I'm a... I don't want to say I'm a hippie in the, in the cliche sense, but I'm very open to, um, you know, I'm, I'm into quantum um, physics, for example. That sounds more heady or like uh, brainy than it is because I'm not good at math or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I get the idea of like the unified field and et cetera. You know what I mean? So like there's this whole, I think technology and actual science is catching up with spirituality these days. And it's not in the box of, oh, it's esoteric, like, um, you know, incense only and mm. some wafty sort of uh, talking. But it's like it's more rooted in actual science. And I'm interested in that overlap, you know, where you're like, okay, so where does this whole thing of um, the idea of we're all one come from, scientifically speaking, you know? Mm. And uh, what are the latest updates on that? And um, I take interest and inspiration from that. And that is mirrored in my music because you, you mentioned like the cosmic mm. uh, um, aspect of it and, and stuff. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm super interested in black holes and all that stuff, you know. So I read a lot about that stuff whenever there's a new science article coming out. It affects my art and it, it's, yeah, it's just like sound and space in general, you know, space, the space between notes, the space in terms of like the reverb around the sound. Mm but also space in terms of, you know, out there stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because like, space is like, you know, obviously it's sort of formed like with sphere. Um, but, you know, like mm -hmm. the, I, I wish I wish I'd heard of you then and I wish I'd gone to it, you know, but um, but like the idea of having this kind of immersive planetarium style, mm. multimedia kind of experience about kind of like, well, at least with a lot of visuals from space and a lot of, Uh, the music kind of echoing that, like that, there's definitely like a very spacey theme going on there. Like, how did how did that kind of come about? I was a little bored with playing the same clubs and festivals all over because mm. it's like you make a record, then you tour it, and it's always like the same clubs and the same festivals, more or less, you know. And um, it just also like Berlin, it, it didn't feel like I was growing because I always need like a challenge a little bit. I want to. Mm. To me, evolution is all about change. And also as a musical evolution, I want to, you know, like grow and like build on what I have done previously and not just like repeat it all the time. So I was like, okay, what can I do that, you know, I want to play out. I want to still present it live. So I was like, I can play in a cinema maybe, but that doesn't work. And then I had a conversation with the planetarium. I was like, can I play a show here? They were like, sure, people have shows here. But what they do is they just bring their regular show into the planetarium and it feels like just a regular seated concert. But I wanted to create a show for a planetarium. That means I wanted to create specific visuals that are 
done in like 360. And I wanted to mix the whole sound in surround because they have this amazing system there, mm. which is like a big, um, you know, like five, it's not even 5.1. It's like a Fraunhofer Institute. Um, uh, in, uh, I forgot the name of it right now, but it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty impressive if you can make use of it, you know. So I wanted to create a show for that medium planetarium. That was basically the initial idea. And then that went really well. We had the premiere with the Red Bull um, Festival in, in Berlin with three sold-out shows. And from there, we played the whole tour of planetariums, which, which was really cool, like worldwide, um, presenting it at Mutech, at Sonar, and at different planetariums from Moscow to you name it, you know, Montreal. Yeah. What, what was your kind of like takeaway from like sort of people's reactions to it as well um I, I i've seen lots of images of people kind of like really like sort of sitting back immersed in what's going on around them yeah. and stuff like that it must have been really amazing to kind of it was yeah it was for me it was special to just see the show the first time during soundcheck because i've only written the music for little like vimeo videos which my mm. partner michael had sent me because we bounced back and forth between like visual ideas and music and it was all just on the computer. And then eventually in soundcheck, I saw it first time on the big dome. And I was like, wow, this is some powerful experience. You know, I'm, I'm stoked for people to experience that tonight, you know. And the people got really emotional. Like some of them were crying. Others were like, this is the closest I've experienced to like a drug trip, mm. you know, because you're like, you're in the visuals. You're not like looking at them like on TD, 2D screen, but you're, they're, they're all around you and, immersed in the sound so it's quite powerful you play with the nervous system of human beings essentially in a way that most environments don't allow that you know maybe virtual reality does mm. and i think that that's really interesting as well because like you know um you could you know calling your first name robots as well and um there's so much i kind of get this feeling of like real sort of cyborgness going on with you in a way, in a way like you know there's this sort of like and what you're saying there about being immersed in the technology but also it's, it's, it's like an incredibly sort of like natural experience of kind of going through yeah. space and and like composing music as well is such a kind of like mm -hmm. you know human thing to do um totally you know, is, is is and you know is cyborgness something that is is Am I just making that up or is that something? No, that no, like, no. You're <laughs> spot on about it. Right. You know, my label, I run a little label. Mm. It's called uh, Trees and Cyborgs. Right. And that's <laughs> pretty much um, summarizing the whole conversation I'm having with myself in music, which is about nature and technology. You know, so the trees represent nature and like the rootedness and the mm. groundedness. And then cyborgs is like the enhanced version of the technologically evolution so to speak you know maybe even the fusion with nature mm. um in a good or bad way that that seems to um, still be open depending on where we take the turn you know i mean do we control technology or do does te technology control us you know that's something that remains to be seen but ultimately we decided because we invented and we should really be on the steering wheel you know so you Not sure see, if we still are. <laughs> yeah. So you see that there are possibilities, whether which way if they go, but you you choose to focus on the the positive um, yeah possibilities. I do. Yeah, I'm I'm usually a, a optimistic person, and I'm not all doom and gloom. Although my music can be dark at times, but it's more dark in terms of 
it has depth, you know, like it's it's really deep. I wouldn't say it's dark as in like it's like hopeless. It's it's not Limp it's, Biscuit. It's not like no. Limp Biscuit dark. No. No, no, it's definitely um it's just like you know, Sphere, the show, was really all about the unknown, you know, because mm -hmm. what we fear about the unknown is what we think we know about the unknown. And that's only really our thoughts that scare us, you know. It's like if you worry about something, it's really just like you making up a scenario that isn't real, that isn't present yet. Mm -hmm. All that happens is this right now. So you're not in danger right now. All your mind is doing, it's creating scenarios that put you in danger. Um, and that's fear and that's worry, you know. And I think Sphere was about the unknown as like a final frontier of something like death, essentially. You know, we're scared of death because we don't know it, you know. Mm. And we think we know it because we think it all ends there or whatever. And or we go to hell or whatever religion tells us or science doesn't have an answer. So we're more scared. Um, and I just like to think about these final frontiers as something exciting and um something to look forward to almost like you get to explore this you know you get to dive deep and that excites me personally and that's part of what drives my artistic um work that i just want to explore these things and, and express them through music or immersive av shows or whatever that's a, i really love the way you say that um i i've i've been trying to tune into this kind of idea as well about living in the moments mm -hmm. you know um yeah. and i don't mean like obviously like a sort of hedonistic way of like yeah just everything in the moment i'm going to take <laughs> out all of my money now and and spend it not, <laughs> not at edica but um but it's but just of this kind of thing of like you know like i kind of i kind of woke up to a few years ago kind of realizing that um i could spend so much of my time just worried about bills that i haven't yeah. paid yet or, or things that maybe I said to someone two years ago or and having mm -hmm. like an imaginary argument as I'm totally. walking down the street. It's, and all, I it's all in your mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what meditation really helps me with. Um, and I, I was trying to meditate before I moved to LA, but that's another thing, you know, if you're in a community that embraces that more and like meditation isn't a weird thing. Like back in 2013, it was maybe not as... I'm not saying accepted, but I didn't know anyone who was like a proper meditator in Berlin. None of my friends would, you know. Maybe they would go to a yoga class or something, you know. But And then they just close their eyes for five minutes in the end and think they meditated. But, um, and not to frown upon that, you know. I just didn't know what meditation meant at the time. So moving to LA and like having experiences with people that have been, you know, meditating for 20 years and having conversations with them just opened my eyes a little more to what that really is and what the benefits are. Also, again, from the scientific side, not just from, you know, like zoning out, you know. And learning to meditate really helped me to be more grounded and be more in the moment, which also helped me with insomnia because I was suffering from, from insomnia living in Berlin. Also due to my um, lifestyle, you know, because being a performing artist that mainly performs in clubs at 4 a.m., it's just hard to get a rhythm. If you're like, if you're a night owl and that's natural to you, that's maybe good. I experienced that I'm a early bird, actually. Mm. I have the best ideas early in the morning. I'm actually more rested if I go to bed rather early. So like before midnight, ideally. And none of this I honored living in Berlin. Like for, for more than a decade, I lived against my natural impetus, if you will. So the moving to LA also, that helped, that healed me in a way that I just embraced the fact that yeah, I don't need to immerse myself in club and lifestyle 
kind of ideas, you know, I need to be that way because I work in music and of course I have to play at 4am and of course I need to have these big rings under my eyes. It just comes all as a package. And I was like, no, none of this is true. This is all a, a story that people tell themselves, you know. Did you, did, did you, um, so you kind of, um, being in LA, you got to discover early mornings then. Um, yes. They're, they're a special time, aren't they? Like I, I used to be a DJ in London as well. And I found that um, I mowed sort of about three or four days a week, you know, I'd be kind of getting in really late and then getting up mm -hmm. quite late and then kind of stopping that. Like I, I kind of weirdly moved to Berlin to stop DJing. Uh, which is kind of, kind <laughs> I, I of love weird. that. I looked up your Twitter um, account yeah. and that, that catchphrase was like, I loved it. <laughs> it's, it's so weird, isn't it? But I've just kind of really got into like early mornings in the last few years because of that. And it feels like you're given like a special bit of time as well before mm -hmm. the rest of the day starts, doesn't it? Yeah, you almost get a little head start, you know, yeah. because especially in Berlin, everybody wakes up late unless mm -hmm. people have jobs, you know. Um, but it's I like it. I like getting up early. I like um, having a little quiet time before I even mm -hmm. catch up with emails and stuff, you know, just brings me in the right headspace and it just like feels more creative too. Sometimes I go down to the studio because in the house I live in, there's the downstairs I turned into a studio. Mm. And sometimes I just, um, before even turning on my phone, I just go down, like make some music for an hour or two, you know, and then I go up and check my phone, check my emails and stuff. And I find that very clean, very innocent slate that I presented with in the morning, sometimes more, um, fruitful like it, it just like presents more ideas for me and also i'm connected to sleep more you know what i mean like i come from this other realm if you will and i'm not polluted yet with like messages and people like wanting something yeah so that's yeah, something to it yeah totally totally i try to not turn my phone on until i've got up but it depends some days i fail you know some days like, i do too oh, yeah i make this it, big know? speech about it now yeah. like more often than not i'll you'll find myself in bed with my phone <laughs> <laughs> no, no. but th those days those days when i managed to like keep it off until i've like had a shower and i got up and like had breakfast i'm just like wow wow i've been given a head start on the day it, it's so fantastic yeah. i um, love it with, with like um, and kind of going back to the kind of like idea about kind of like nature and and mm -hmm. science mixing together that really came together so awesomely I think on the next billion years and stuff like it was so had such a sort of expansive string sounds and like orchestral sound and that felt like kind of a real collaboration with like an orchestra or something how how yeah. how did you what was the kind of process of of that coming about. Yeah, so um, how was that? Um, I think it was Christian Kellersmann. He used to run Deutsche Grammophon or used to work at Deutsche Grammophon at Universal. Um, and I was in touch with him because I made a remix for Max Richter back in the day. Um, and then I was approached by Christian when he left Deutsche Grammophon um, about a show um, with the Deutsche Kammer Orchester where also Moritz van Oswald and Panther du Prince, some other people have been invited to write a piece of music to be performed with and recorded by the Deutsche Kammer Orchester. So this was the first time I really got to work with a chamber orchestra. And Christian saw the show and then he asked me if I wanted to join the label that he was about to um, fund within BMG, like a new uh, modern classical label called Modern Recordings. Well, it's also for jazz or like eclectic music let's say and um 
he brought me in touch with Christian Yabi, who's an Estonian um, composer and also conductor, more a conductor at the time. He also started composing lately. And he's he comes from a dynasty, more or less, of like big conductors, you know, that mm-hmm. worked with Abu Pert and stuff in um, Estonia. So I was just thrilled to be given the opportunity to work with like, like a big orchestra, not just a chamber orchestra, but like woodwinds, brass, strings, like the whole thing, you know. So I flew to Estonia uh, in Tallinn and we recorded the whole thing in four days. Obviously, I've wrote all the music beforehand in MIDI, you know, all the string parts, and I had somebody help me translate that into the world of sheet music because I'm not a trained musician. So it was quite a new story for me to just, like, work with an orchestra and, like, realize how many people it takes, like the, the orchestrator, the... Um, musical supervisor that needs to, you know, monitor the session. Mm. There was a team of like five or six people in the booth, you know, just like making it happen. And that was very exciting. So recording that record was very special to me. It must have been so amazing seeing like I was looking out into the recording studio. Like I saw a little bit of a documentary this morning just before we spoke. Um, And like, you know, having sort of cellists and, and violin players kind of, Doing Flutes, music everything that yeah. came from your mind. <laughs> you know, it really starts becoming a living thing all of a sudden, you know, because it's it's quite stale and like sterile when you write it in MIDI. Mm. It's like the musical idea is there, but it sounds like library music. And then it really comes to life when real people play it and you feel all these nuances, like in the playing of like a, a bass flute, for example. It's a beautiful instrument I re- recorded and I learned about in the process, you know, because mm. I wanted to, like, what cool brass and woodwind instruments are there, you know, so I was, like, wising up a little on my lack of <laughs> orchestration skills, yeah. and it's like, the bass flute sounds amazing, I want to do more with that, so I had some some bass flute parts um, that I took, put, put down in MIDI, and then when we actually recorded them, it really sounded amazing, you know. I, I don't think I've ever heard of a bass flute but I'm sure I've heard I, I'm sure like if you played me an isolated bass flute sound I'd know it but it was just yeah, yeah. a name it's just a, a bass flute okay Sounds I know amazing. I was the same way before but then I looked into it a little more and I, I realized that I gravitated to more deep sounds and I didn't want it to be like all high pitched I didn't want like a ton of violence on it or like piccolo flute which mm. is all like high register stuff I do have that like as a little sugarcoat you know to give it the sparkle but the main orchestration is like cello bass flute double bass it's like the the, the deeper and darker tones of the orchestra that are really gravitated towards and it kind of fits with a lot of the imagery that kind of um in the videos around it as well doesn't it you have these kind of like vast natural spaces that kind of feel very big and you know, they're, they're not like, there's not so much like little nature. I'm trying to think of an example no. of little nature, like a little bird or something would be like a high yeah, yeah. pitched instrument. Exactly. It's like the big, it's the vastness, it's the big expanse. Um, and again, it ties again to the to the, the universe idea, which I tinkered with uh, in Sphere, you know. It's all about the, the unknown and the vastness of space that really fascinates me. Yeah, that's amazing. And just sort of talking about that, I've just seen a dog come behind you. There's a dog yeah, that's actually my, 
my mom's little uh, Italian greyhound. Yeah, I don't know if you can see her. No, she. Hello. Yeah, my mum. My mum yeah. has. My mum has. Um, um, not greyhounds, but very similar kind of a breed of hounds. Like the what? Um, I can't remember what they're called. Like my brain goes yeah. to me sometimes. But the same kind of very thin dog, like that. Yeah, bear. they're more like cats, really. Yeah. It's sitting yeah, on my are. lap right now. Yeah, they're so and, uh, they're very so chill and very cat-like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, when did music first come into your life? Did you have like a kind of a, an epiphany? Um. You know, I grew up listening to the music that my mom listened to at home. Mm. Speaking of my mom, that dog is here now. Because <laughs> I'm at my mom's place right now. Mm. Um, she listened to a lot of Motown stuff, you know, like Stevie Wonder, Mot um, like Four Tops, Temptations. So I was listening to a lot of um, funk and soul tapes at the time. That's like me at five, six years old. But um, a little later, I got into, when I was a teenager, I got more into guitar music because I sort of wanted to revolt against that, I guess, you know, find my own little niche in music. So I got really into hardcore and heavy metal. I was a drummer in a, in a metal band, actually, age uh, 14. Mm. Um, I was just really fascinated by the extreme sonics of it, you know, because it was, again, it's like a very like a almost overpowering sound, you know, which I've never heard before. Everything seemed so pleasing and melodic before, like music as I knew it. And then this was almost like the antithesis of music. And I was mm. fascinated by that, you know, the, the darkness of it almost. Um, but I soon evolved from there and I realized there's also jazz, which is even more complicated because I was also fascinated by the skills that metal mm. takes because it's very fast and very technical. Then it was like, yeah, metal drummers are the best. And then I was like, oh, man, look at jazz drummers, <laughs> you know. So I got into jazz and then I, from jazz I got into hip-hop and from hip-hop I got into DJing and then all the 90s trip-hop stuff, you know, like early Ninja Tune, Mo Wax kind of stuff. So that was like kind of the one thing leads to the next. And through crate digging I got into everything really, you know, from Moondog, John Coltrane, Joni Mitchell, I think that really opened my eclectic music taste, where I was like putting together where samples came from, who David Axelrod was, and all these things. So I became a little bit of a music nerd at a rather early age, like at 17, 18. I was like very well-versed in music, I think, because I was interested in it. I read up about it and bought a lot of vinyl, collected vinyl. So yeah, that was my socialization as an artist. And you, you sort of mentioned like you checked some names there, like a, a like the kind of Coltrane and, and Moondog and, and Joni Mitchell, and all that, although that seems quite eclectic and different, they're all I've, to me they all feel like they're very deep connected with your music as well. Very deep sounding music, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's what what I always sought out the, those kind of voices in music that express it in different genres, but it's 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 just like a deeper expression of maybe like a bigger truth or like a more universal truth that is just encapsulated in that one human being and it chooses to express it in, in their unique voice, you know, but it's, it's a general topic. Yeah. You find it in different voices in different artists. And I think I, I liked piecing that together, that, that bigger theme, you know, that's, that's bigger than the individual expression, you know. Um, Robert, thank you so much. Thank you. That's, I really love chatting with you. That's great. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time.
So there you go. That's Robot Koch speaking with me. A couple of hours ago, it's March the 1st, 2021. A little bit of spring in the air. It's very bright in Kreuzberg. And he was the exact right person that I think for my well-being, feeling a little bit zonked out today, needed to speak to today. Super chilled, super easygoing, um, super interesting about his work and I re- that really gave me a bit of a uh, bit of like human vitamins. Um, so thanks, Robert, for that. Um, right, I'm wondering whether I've reached the cutoff point in the day for a coffee or not. It's about half two. I don't know. I'll leave you with that thought. I hope you're well. Hope you're keeping safe. Hope you're looking after yourself. And I'll speak to you soon. Thanks for listening. Lost and Sound is written and produced by me, Paul Hanford. Title music by ESO. And a big thanks to Kieran Yates in the UK for mastering the levels. This episode is being hosted by Bear Radio. And you can check out other English language podcasts from Berlin by going on bearradio.org. And if you enjoyed listening, please hit subscribe and leave a comment. It really does help. And you can also, if you wish, help the production costs of Making Lost and Sound by buying me a digital coffee at coffee.com. There's a link in the socials. Take care and speak to you soon.